And uh, this morning, I am really grateful because uh, Pastor Dwayne Cross is going to be speaking. He's going to be leading us this morning. And part of what I love about having uh, Dwayne and Sherry is we talk about being a family, a church that is a family, uh, that we're a family, not a business. And um, I love that, that Dwayne and Sherry are uh, fathers, mothers in this house. So if you're new and you don't know, um, uh, Dwayne and Sherry led Hope from 2001 to 2000 uh, for 15 years. So that would make till 2015, right? There we go. I got that part right. I knew that part. Yes. Yeah. So is that for my math skills or yes to them? Let's thank them. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but Dwayne, um, he's, he's a mentor to me. He's very patient, offers lots of wisdom. Uh, and so I just honor Dwayne and Sherry for so many reasons. But uh, part of it is to be a part of a church family um, where they can come into a place and know that this church is not about them. And for all of our team here, we know the church is not about us. And so they come and they add so much richness to our church family. So I'm really grateful uh, for Dwayne and Sherry and the way they point us to Jesus. So will you welcome Dwayne as he comes to bring the word this morning? Thanks, Bob. Well, good morning. It's good to see everyone this morning. So I did uh, retire in 2015, of which I've not been very successful. So I, I have done four uh, transition churches, covenant churches in Arizona. A transition pastor is like an, they used to call an interim pastor. I would fill in as their pastor until they found and called a new pastor. So uh, I've been at uh, Genesis Covenant, North Phoenix, uh, our church plant, uh, The Bridge in Gilbert, uh, Grace Covenant in Oro Valley, and then most recently and concurrently at Eastside Covenant Church in Tucson. I've been there since um, uh, Easter. That's right, Easter Sunday started there. That's interesting. Started on Easter, I'm going to finish on Christmas uh, Eve or before that. So anyway, um, I have two more Sundays at Eastside, uh, the 10th and the 17th. And then uh, we've called a new pastor. Her name is Kirsten Phillips. She's a recent graduate of North Park Seminary amazing uh, woman. Uh, she's got two kids and a wonderful husband, and uh, she's going to be the new pastor at Eastside Covenant Church. So I'm very excited. I'm very excited that it's our, uh, not first, but one of the only uh, women who've been lead pastors in Arizona in the last uh, you know decade or so. So I'm really excited about that. So uh, I'm happy to be with you this morning. And I got to, uh, uh, Doug told me what the theme was. Uh, he let me pick uh, my character, Mary. Um, we're talking about messiness at Christmas, and so all those things I'm very good at. So uh, I'm glad to uh, be here with you. Christmas each year um, seems to bring out the crazies in many of us, many of you, obviously. For instance, gifts. One thing about Christmas I do not like is gifts. Now, the gift of Jesus John 3.16, I got that, okay? But a crock pot, you know, come on. <laughs> Christmas gifts. I don't like giving gifts to family and friends that are middle class that already have everything they want. I don't like that. I don't like that. Sherry's the exception. I like to be extravagant towards her. 
but everyone else, forget it. So here's what I thought I would do. We want to be a full-service church. I want to provide you some optional gift ideas that might help you uh, get away from the normal stuff that we don't want or need, okay? So let's take a look at these. Here's the first one. Okay, so... um, An ornament that has Jesus who looks surprisingly like Nicolas Cage. (laughs) He says, I saw that. I saw what you put on the tree. You know, I saw what you did under the tree. I saw that. Okay, so that's a great gift. Uh, Here's the next one. Okay, okay. I love me some Santa. But Santa, get out of the creche. Get out of the manger scene. You don't belong there. I mean, Santa and eternal, omniscient, incarnate God. Come on. You know, he doesn't belong there. Uh, So, uh, Jesus, right? Santa. Elf on the shelf. Get this thing right. (laughs) Get the priorities right, because some people just don't get that right. Uh, This next one, you're going to like this one, you cheapskates. Um, Two batteries. (laughs) I love that one. I'm going to get that for my kids. (laughs) And uh, the next one, uh, Dalton already has this t-shirt, I understand. Jesus, the ultimate deadlifter. That's for dead weights in your family that stay around too long. I give him that shirt. And the next one is for Corbin. I don't know where he is, but uh, the next one is uh, dancing with Jesus. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good one. And then this next one is the most ironic gift. This is a Christmas bag, a, a shopping bag that says Jesus is the reason for the season. Uh, Do you see the irony in that? I mean, is shopping the reason for the season? Most people believe it is, but Jesus the reason for the season. And the last one is for your relatives that have halitosis, uh, Messiah mints. Uh, uh, It's always good to have those handy. Yeah, so anyway, those are some crazy ideas for Christmas. But but (laughs) here's another crazy Christmas idea. Incarnation. I mean, really? God in a body? I mean, the infinite creator taking on flesh? It just doesn't make any sense. So I want to read to you our text this morning from Luke chapter 1, of course, uh, verses 26 to 38. And here um, we find this remarkable young woman, Mary. Doug referred to her earlier, probably around 14, 15 years old. And uh, she has this encounter with an angel of God. Um, so I'm, if you have your Bibles, turn there. Uh, if you have your uh, instruments, whatever you use, uh, turn there to uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. This is the word of God for the people of God at Hope Covenant Church. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent, sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. To a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. You have found favor with God. You will come You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. That's crazy. I mean, that's impossible. A miracle, you know, we talk about miracles, you know, I got a parking place close to the mall. No, this is a true miracle. God dwelling in a human being. This is what I call a miracle, specifically the Mary miracle. Now, God delivered this message to this 14-year-old girl. Now, some of you uh, from, that have been raised in a Catholic tradition, um, you recognize Luke 128. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. If you were raised Catholic, that was part of your liturgy, part of your tradition, and it became very familiar and precious to you. But if you, like me, were raised in a Protestant tradition, you might be a little uncomfortable or even nervous about these words. In the Protestant tradition, we have really downplayed the role of Mary because of perceived excess of deifying Mary. In other words, elevating her to the Godhead, making her on the same spiritual plane as Jesus. So we've kind of pushed away from that as Protestants. So today I'm asking you to kind of forget your traditions and come to the text with fresh eyes and fresh hearts. And I'll introduce a concept to you today that will be surprising for some and maybe for some of you profound. And simply I call it the Mary Miracle. And it's based on those three verses, Luke 1, 31 to 33. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be, he will be very great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. So here is the Mary miracle. There's four parts to it. The first part is this. The Son of God will be born, literally come alive in Mary. The second part is that the Son of God who comes alive in Mary will grow in Mary and literally change her. And the third part is the Son of God who will come alive in Mary, will grow in her and change her physically and then come forth from her. And his name will be called Jesus. And the fourth part, and the Son of God who comes alive in Mary and grows in Mary and comes forth from Mary, he will radically change the world around her. The text says, he shall be great. Now what makes this miracle today, a miracle, I believe, is that it just didn't happen 2,000 years ago in Mary's womb. The miracle has happened over 
and over and over again and continues to happen to this very day. You might say, what on earth do you mean? Let me explain it. So the Son of God will be born or come alive in you. And the Son of God who is born in you will grow in you and literally change you. And the Son of God who comes alive in you and is born in you will come forth from you. Peace and joy and grace and the fruit of the Spirit will come forth from you. And the Son of God who comes alive in you and grows in you and comes forth from you will change the world around you. That is the Mary miracle. Now, this is heady stuff, I understand. Mary was the prototype, the first fruit, and Christ came alive in her. And I want you to hear this, and I want to say this with all humility and reverence. He has come alive in me, too. I don't have a womb, but I have a heart. And Jesus wants to be born in me and in you and that is the Mary miracle. So this is the point of my message today. And really, um, if you know me, this is the passion of my heart. This is what I want to say to every one of you here this morning. And it's this. Have a Merry Christmas. Have a Christ being born in you Christmas. Have a Christ who is born in you, grow in you, and literally change you Christmas. Have a Christ who is born in you and grows in you and changes you come forth from you by the fruit of the Spirit. And have a Christ who is born in you and changes you, comes forth from you, change the world around you. Have a merry Christmas. 1 Peter 1.23 says it this way. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Now, I don't want to be indelicate, but that word uh, seed is literally the Greek word spermata. Just as Mary had literally the Son of God being born in her, the same thing happens for you by faith when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, the, the, the prophets did not get this. The scripture tells us that the angels did not get this. So this is a, a brand new profound thing that Jesus, that really the angel Gabriel introduces and is something that is part of all of the teaching of the New Testament. So brothers and sisters in Christ at Hope Covenant Church, here's the word of God for you and for me today. And it's simply this, have a merry Christmas. A Christ coming alive in you Christmas a Christ changing you, Christmas, a Christ coming forth from you, Christmas, and a Christ coming forth from you and changing the world. This is the wonderful news of Christmas. Now, I, I say I look at this and think about this text. I, I would like to share with you just a couple of um, truths that I see in this. And the first one is this. God's grace is within us. Luke 1, 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The word favor in the original language literally means grace. Mary, you are highly graced. 
You are literally the graced one. Now, we've all heard this word. In fact, we hear it every Sunday from our pastor, right? That we are a grace-based family. That's who we are at Hope Covenant Church. A grace-based family. Well, what does that word really mean? Most of you know what it means, but one of the acronyms you can use is um, God's riches at Christ's expense, right? Nothing you've earned, nothing you deserve. This is God literally gracing you, giving you a gift, literally desiring to come (laughs) and live inside of you. That's the merry miracle. So what is grace? let Let me explain it this way. Justice is getting exactly what you deserve. Now, most of us want justice for other people, right? But we want grace for ourselves. But justice, getting exactly what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. So justice, you're going to jail. Mercy, you're guilty, but you're not going to jail. Grace is something completely different. Not only are you guilty... And not only do you not go to jail, but you're given a check for a million (laughs) dollars. That's grace. You get something that you don't earn. Mary, you are graced to carry the Son of God. You've not earned the right. You are not even worthy. But one of God's, because of God's mercy and grace, he has chosen you. He has blessed you. He has graced you. And each of you here this morning have been given the same privilege As Christ was born in Mary, he desires to be born in you. He desires to come into your heart, to grow you, to come forth from you, and to change the world around you. As it was with Mary, there's nothing you can do to earn God's favor. Nothing you can do to be worthy of this great gift. But God says, I choose you. I pick you. I love you. You, I will live in. Now, some of you have come to believe, as I have at different times in my life, that happiness or contentment or joy comes from accolades, accumulations, accomplishments. And some of you still identify your life as about how what you do, right? Uh, uh, that you're lovable, and some of you are, some of you aren't. Uh, you're not, but the Mary Miracle says that It is not what you do. She was a lowly handmaiden. She was a Jewish girl, uneducated. But God simply says, I choose you. You are blessed. You are favored. You are graced. And God has chosen you for Christ to live in. I mean, the love of God is unimaginable. Uh, One of the greatest, I think, paragraphs that has ever been written in a book outside of scripture is from Brennan Manning, from Brennan Manning in the Ragamuffin Gospel, a classic if you haven't read the Ragamuffin Gospel. This is what Brennan Manning says about God's love. Do we really hear what Paul is saying? Stretch, man, stretch. Let go of impoverished, circumscribed, and finite perceptions of God. The love of Christ is beyond all knowledge, beyond anything we can intellectualize or imagine. It is not a mild benevolence, but a consuming fire. Jesus is so unbearably forgiving 
so infinitely patient and so unendingly loving that he provides us with the resources we need to live lives of gracious response. Glory to him whose power working in us, that's the Mary miracle, can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. The Mary miracle means God's grace is within us. God's grace grows in us. God's grace comes from us. And God's grace changes the world around us. Many of you know uh, our son, Nathan. Uh, Nathan and his wife, Carrie, moved to Tampa Bay recently and their son, Tyler. And um, so they have, they have a great life there. Now, Nathan, most of you that knew him, about five years ago got sober. He was just uh, demolished his younger life uh, with alcohol. And uh, he came to uh, a powerful transformation by the Holy Spirit about five years ago. Well, this kid... He's what, how old is he now, honey, 47? I have no idea, 47. This kid is, I mean, I used to try and teach him Bible stories. He's now teaching me theological truths that he's experienced and lived. So last week, he goes to an AA meeting in Tampa that he loves. It's a great group. The guys know who the higher power is. It's, he said it's just an amazing group. It's like going to church every week. So um, that's his group, but God woke him up about 4 a.m. last week and said, I want you to go to this other meeting just down the road from where you live. He said, I've never wanted to go to that meeting. I've heard it's not a very good meeting, but okay, Holy Spirit, if that's what you want me to do, that's what I'll do. So he goes to the meeting, and just like he expected, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, shame, a lot of anger. Uh, there's no grace. There's no Jesus anywhere, and it's just an, kind of an ugly setting, but there was one man that Nathan was drawn to. He went over to him, talked to him. This man had never experienced God's love, God's grace, God's forgiveness. He was living in shame and anger, and Nathan was able to share the love of Jesus with him. And the grace within our son was passed on to another man. That's the Mary miracle. That the Christ that comes alive in you, the Christ that grows in you and literally changes you, transforms you, and the Christ that grows in you comes forth from you by grace. And the Christ that changes the world around you. That's what we're called to. That's what we're called to as Jesus people, as people who have experienced the Mary miracle. So let me just share the second thing about uh, this beautiful message. God's eyes are upon you. Now, the ornament that we saw, you know, the Nicolas Cage Jesus, <laughs> some people call him Saint Nick. Anyway, uh, <laughs> don't, not me, not me. Uh, the idea was he was looking at you, says, I see what you're doing. Well, the real Jesus says, I see what you're doing, and I'm not condemning you. And I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just trying to love you. I, I know who you are. I see you. I recognize you. So this is a wonderful truth. In the text, the angel Gabriel is dispatched by God to send a message to this girl, Mary. Now, he had also sent the message earlier to Elizabeth, right? The old woman who was pregnant, now six months pregnant. But angel Gabriel went to see Mary. Now, 
when an angel's dispatched, I don't know, this is not biblical, this is kind of duanical, and uh, it's like I can see, first of all, God says, okay, I need an angel. I need an angel of the highest rank, okay? So it's just a couple of those, Gabriel, Michael, you know, one time morning star. There's not many that have this highest rank. So God says, okay, I need one of you guys. And so uh, Gabriel runs over. Michael says, what about me? Well, Gabriel got there first. And so Gabriel comes up, and I, I just see this. I see God, the Father, just looking into Gabriel's eyes and his heart just being transferred, right? His desire, his love, his idea, logos, his idea for the incarnation, all that just right into Gabriel. And so here's what Gabriel does. Um, he, he goes to the earth, okay? That's a good start. And then he finds the Middle East. You know, he's, you can see him kind of roaming around. And then he sees Galilee. Okay, we're getting closer. And then finally, Nazareth. And he comes to the stoop of Mary and her family. And he walks in and to this humble maid, this beautiful little girl, and this incredible message. And the message along the, things that he, the other things he said was this, Mary, I know where you live. <laughs> I know exactly where you live. I mean, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve tried to hide from God. Don't try. It's not going to work. God knows where you live. And this is not with shame and condemnation. This is just he knows where you live. I remember driving home in Minnesota when I was in the middle of my addiction, my gambling addiction, driving home, speeding home, trying to get home so Sherry wouldn't ask too many questions, and driving faster and faster, 75, 80, 85 down the freeway, trying to get home, and thinking, God, I'm so sorry. And here's what I heard God said. Dwayne, you, you can't get away from me. And in those moments, you would think I would feel just kind of this utter shame and darkness and guilt, but it was just this overwhelming sense of love, that even when I am on my way home from gambling and on my way home to once again deceive my wife, God says, I love you. I know where you are. I know you're on the I-35 going 90 miles an hour. That's not good. You got to figure that out. I know where you are. Proverbs 15.3 says, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. God knows where you live. Mary, he says, I've, I've found you. I know where you live. Mary, uh, nobody pays attention to you because you're a 14-year-old girl that's uneducated, and you're going to grow up, and the best you can do is marry a man and have a bunch of babies. That's the best you got. But Mary, I favor you. I grace you, I see you, I know you, and you belong to me. I know what you need, I know what you care about, I know that you so desperately want something great in your life, and I'm going to provide that by giving you this miracle within you. So if you're running away from God, he knows where you live, and he knows where you hide, and he knows your heart. And his message is always the same. I still chose you to live in. I still love you. I still grace you. I still want you. 
you matter to me. If you've seen The Chosen, one of the most powerful scenes, I think is in the very first episode of the first year, is when Mary Magdalene, right, Mary of Magdala, she starts out as a little girl, and her father is sharing Isaiah 43 with her. Does that ring a bell? Okay. And then later in that episode or another episode, after Mary has kind of blown it, and she's feeling shame and condemnation, and Jesus comes out, and he looks at her, right? And he says, um, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. And what? You are mine. Mary, I know that you've sinned. I know that you're broken. But God has ransomed you. And I know who you are. Can you imagine God say, the angel Gabriel saying that to this little Mary? Can you imagine God saying that to you? To each and every one of you? God's eyes are upon us. And he will not look away. One final truth we find in the Mary miracle, and it's this. God's joy comes from within us. God's grace is within us. God's eyes are on us. And God's joy comes from within us. Now, when you realize what happened to Mary, Christ being born in her, Christ physically changing her, the shape of her, Christ coming forth from her, and this baby named Jesus changing the world around her, this Mary miracle, there's only one response to that. Listen to this response. Now, most of you know Mary's Magnificat. It's a song. Um, it doesn't sound like it was written by a 14-year-old girl, but this is a song from Mary's heart. And let me read you the first part of that. This is found in Luke 1, 46 to 50. Mary responded. She responded to what the angel Gabriel told her, right? Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. And he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Gabriel, for considering me a lowly handmaiden. What a beautiful song. Well, listen, folks, that song is for you as well. Every time you've had one of those moments of great joy, I mean, you can think about them throughout your life. I remember when I was 16 years old and I went forward at a Youth for Christ rally and I said yes to Jesus. I didn't know what was going on, but there was this sense of joy in my life. Every one of my four children that were born, the sense of joy. Uh, seeing my bride of 53 and a half years uh, of marriage when she was 19 years old, all of these things brings this great joy in my life. But how much more? The fact that the eternal God says to you and to me, I want you to experience a Jesus coming alive in you Christmas. A Jesus who comes alive in you, growing in you, and literally changing you, transforming you 
Christmas. A Jesus that comes alive in you and changes you, that comes forth from you with peace and joy and grace and the fruit of the Spirit. And the Jesus who comes alive in you, that changes you, that comes from you, that Jesus will change the world around you. Have a Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father, so many times we um, miss the simplest things that we see in your word. And Father, this morning I would just want to thank you for this message, this beautiful little girl that received this message from Gabriel. That that message is just as valuable for me as it was for her. And Father, I pray that if there are those here this morning who have never said yes to Jesus, who have never said, come alive in me, be born in me, be born in me, come alive in me, I pray that this morning would be the morning that they say yes to Jesus. Thank you, Father, that this miracle is not just Mary's, but it belongs to all of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus. And Lord, I just pray for an anointing over this church, for this season, for all that you have done, that all we have experienced, all that we have known in your grace, and may it dwell richly within us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.